Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts this week. We watched Beauty and the Beast, directed by Bill Condon and released in 2017. The plot of Beauty and the Beast goes something like this. A live-action adaptation of the 1991 Disney movie about a cursed prince and a bookish girl named Belle. Sure, yeah. So, spoiler alert, this is the movie where a pretty girl falls in love with a beast. Gosh. Yes, that's I, I rewrote the uh, the plot so that I didn't have to write the Disney plot, which is sh- something about a prince and a girl fall in love, which is mm. not quite the right spin. It's, co- it's true, but it's sure. technically um, true, but um, maybe not quite the right spin. Yeah, prince no, it's kidnaps girl. It's been a week since I saw Beauty and the Beast, and I'm a little bit like it wasn't terribly impressive to me. It was really just a, a live action, straight up remake of the um, 1991 animated yeah. movie. Um, and, uh, that's fine. And it was pretty and it was, you know, good for what it was. I was really, really disappointed in the casting of Emma Watson, of course, because not that I have anything against Emma Watson. I think she's a perfectly good actress, but she can't sing, which is not a good singer. Um, and they auto-tune her all the hell in this movie and everything that she sings sounds like a robot singing it. And it made me really angry, especially since there's a song where she sings directly a verse with Audra McDonald possibly the greatest voice in the world right now, four-time Tony Award-winning Audra McDonald, and, like, they have to sing a verse together and it's just not fair to Emma Watson because Audra McDonald is flawless and she's there with her robot voice. Yes. Um, other than Audra McDonald, the other actors are not Broadway stars. They're, they're actors who can sing. Um, yeah. Uh, well, Ewan McGregor's a great singer. So, and sorry, Josh Gad's actually a Broadway Yeah, and Bro- Josh Gad's Broadway. And, uh, yeah, Ewan McGregor's a good singer. Um, Luke Evans is a decent singer. Um... Dan, Dan Stevens can sing. M- Emma Thompson, who plays um, Mrs. Potts, can sing. She's doing a very best Angela Lansbury impersonation here. Yeah. Like doing the accent and everything. Yeah, I just – the problem is – so I was a lot more charmed by this than you were in the way that I tend to fall for Disney things because nobody let me at them when I was a child. So I really, really enjoyed this. And then I went went back and watched the animated one, which I didn't don't think I've seen. <laughs> and I actually liked the tweaks that they made to this one. Like I the don't. modernizing tweaks, the slightly more progressive tweaks. I, I just tweaks. don't think that it's as I like. I, I get what they were trying to do, but it's not as progressive as it could be, and it's also like so. It, I, just for me, I'm like, well, why bother doing it if you're going to make it a little bit more progressive, but not actually because there's not a lot of ways to make this story okay. No, but they do. They try. I mean, they give it some that they do kind of tweak it in ways that makes it more progressive. They the, the give thing is a also, little bit more backstory. They give there are certain I don't scenes, need the, the like backstory the especially doesn't make it more progressive for me. It just well, like, sorry, no, that's not, so unnecessary for me. It just helps I think a bit. But the but certain scenes like uh after they have the big dance, in the animated version, the beast says to says to Beauty, um, would you consider could you be happy here? And in the animated version she sort of does that dissimulation kind of thing? Oh, you know, I really miss my father. But in the live action version, um, the line that she says is, "I don't think anyone could be happy if they're not free." Right. And th- like that, that's a good tweak. Yes, I know, but that's a very like. There's a lot of much bigger ones than that, like Belle being the inventor and her mm. dad being an artist and things like that. That I'm like, but that's not really helping with the um, story. That's not real. I mean, the problem with Belle wasn't that she wasn't independent enough. She was always independent enough. You know, she was already smart. She yeah. was the smartest girl the in the village. She was the only girl that, that she. The who problem read is books. that she falls in love with the person who's kidnapped her. 
Right. So, like, that's not an issue. You don't need to make her an inventor. It just adds runtime, right? Like, it doesn't do, ha, give anything. It doesn't add anything to the plot for me. Um, so, there were a lot of things. And, like, her interactions with Gaston are more beefed up. But you're like, but they, she was already rejecting him just as strongly in the original for me. Mm. Like, I never got the feeling that Belle was leading on Gaston or doing no, anything the, like that. No, the original is actually quite good because it shows her having to deal with him physically getting in her way a lot mm. more like the way he pulls her books off her and things like that which is actually more effective in showing who he is right yeah exactly so um it it's sort of and then there's there's stuff with Gaston and and um Maurice in the movie that in the remake that's not in the original that was kind of weird like he takes him out into the woods and then ties him up that's not in the original right no that was weird that was strange additions to me and that only seemed to be there actually to make um, LeFou more sympathetic. Well, they had to. Which is a strange thing to do to add scenes just to make Le, like making LeFou more sympathetic in the scenes he's in, I get. But why would you add scenes just to make LeFou more sympathetic? Well, he's not a major character. I think they also tie themselves in a story problem in terms of how they're going to get Belle back to rescue her dad. Mm. Um, and I think they, because they are avoiding doing it exactly the same way that it was done in the other version, they have to kind of put him in a different kind of danger in a different way. So I think that was that was like trying to, them trying to solve a story problem, right? But to me, it didn't, didn't that didn't work, and I didn't get the I didn't really need the flashbacks. The stuff about Belle's mother was I, I actually <laughs> that's when I went to the toilet and managed to miss the major like the main musical mm. number of this movie. I missed most of um, Beauty and the Beast because mm. I went to the toilet in the scene before because it was so boring and pointless to me. Yeah. So yeah. Because it, it does take a while to build up to that. Although um, d- that does mean that you actually get a decent sense of the relationship between the two of them before they have that big scene. But no, I don't mind the timing of that. I just didn't need the scene before it. Right. With the um, When he takes her in some, like this thing that's not in the original movie mm-hmm. that's like a book where he can just escape yeah. anytime he wants, which is a strange Yeah, which is a way they, way they, yeah. And then they introduce the mirror as well, which doesn't get introduced till a bit later in the original, I think. I don't know, but anyway, the mirror. It's, the mirror but why does he need both of those? Yeah, because the, intru- the introduction of the mirror is the problem because it, um, the introduction of the mirror is needed for her to see that her dad is in danger, and they kind of yeah yeah. I actually think they the big ballroom scene is lovely. Like I think that it will very I believe much you. I appeal to the people who want to watch it because uh, I, I I did enjoy. I thought it was fun. I think um, there'll be a lot of little girls who go along and really have fun watching that and having her watching her get the gold threads put on her dress and come down the stairs and the big dancing bit and all that i think there'll be a lot of people who really love that i'm sure some boys will love it too i'm sure they will Uh, i just our cinema was full of like girls and their mums when we saw it um so that was kind of what i was i think that might be the audience but um and yeah that's fine i mean i but really you can't avoid making comparisons between this and the movie that it's directly remaking it, yes but i think that's the the audience they're going for the reason they remake these movies like 25 or so years later is so that they can get people who haven't seen the original or yeah. for whom like a newer shinier one it'll be their bell it'll be their beauty and the i Beast. think they do that but i also feel like they're just doing it because they can <laughs> Like, you get this sense that they're doing it because now they have the technology. So they're like, oh, we can make this, like, movie that everybody loves and we can make it live action and we can make it shiny and pretty and stuff. Like, it almost feels like it's just an exercise in, like, bringing cartoons to life more um, as if, like, animation, 2D animation isn't enough, Mm. which is 
I, I kind mean, of get because I prefer live action, but also at the same time, like it's it's a bit of a slap in the face, to, especially to Beauty and the Beast was really b- groundbreaking in its um, technology at the time. First right? animated that, film nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, but that that scene, the dancing scene, the way that it was shot, the way that it had this like 360 camera motion that came down to the – and it was all animated, it was brilliant. It mm. really was like technically – just so innovative. Pedro Hara does a great job with the voice of Belle. She's beautiful. Angela Lansbury is great. You know, they they have these things in the original that are really great. And um, so, yeah, it, it's uh, there are certain problems, but there are problems with the base story of Beauty and the Beast. And I also yeah. feel like these filmmakers went on the internet and saw all of the issues that people had with Beauty and the Beast, right? Because they made it. Um, they had a scene before the before um, the Beast gets the prince gets turned into a beast where they show very clearly that he's an adult because there's this theory that went around the internet for years. People thought that, that um, Adam, the beast was turned into a beast as a 10 year old Mm. because the plot of the movie of the, uh, of the cartoon goes um, that the beast was cursed for 10 years. He had to find um, somebody who would love him by his 21st birthday. Uh And so if that's the case and he's about a year out from that, then he was 10. Yeah. When he was cursed. He was a child who was cursed by a witch for not being nice to her when she showed up on his doorstep. Yeah. Um, so that was something that and then there's like Chip. Was Chip a child when he got cursed? Mm. Was he born of Mrs. Potts as just a cup? How does that work? Well, they and they show him. Um, they show them they're they're not they don't have a line, I don't think, or he doesn't, but you see him running past with her behind him. Yeah. In that scene. Yeah. So clearly time is stopped in the in the current yeah. one, it's pretty clear that like th- there's not an there's not yeah. a defined and, and time period. The rose just is. Yeah. Um. But also, time seems to have stopped for them while they're in the. Yeah. And there's the curse is a little bit bigger as well. It makes the area around them always like Narnia. It's always snowing, like things like that. Um. And everybody forgets in the village. Well, yeah, as well, because they're all yeah. Which is again another thing that people spot on the. It, well, that's another thing that people have picked up is that they, if this village is close enough to be like a couple of hours ride from this castle, then how come none of the villagers know mm-hmm. about it? So they they kind of make it a bit more, you know, it's secretive and hidden. And you but there's still it. other problems. How many people lived in that castle um, in order to make be our guest work? Because there are dozens of feather dusters. There are hundreds of plates all dancing and moving in be our guest. Right. Mm. Well, they show it the. They show it as like one of those big sort of Versailles era parties where you do you did have literally thousands of people. But they also still say it's only the people who lived in the castle. Right. It's not people who just visited, it's people who lived there. Well then, you know, can they then animate the plates even if the plates aren't actually people? That's what I yeah. was wondering. I was like, can they are they are the other ones like there seems to be some sort of magic to move sentient make the others and move some non sentient. Uh, exactly. How how and they they make fun of Belle at one point. She's like, "Hello," like talks to the hairbrush, and they're like, "That's a hairbrush. Don't be ridiculous." And you're like, "How are you supposed to tell? What are knows? the rules?" Yeah, your wardrobe sentient. Your hairbrush. Of course, it's a hairbrush. Yes, exactly. Yeah. What are the, what are the rules here? Um, so yeah, things like that just seem a bit silly. But like that's part of the story, you know. And there's certain things that they couldn't get around, but there's certain things that they did try and get around. Um, and and it definitely felt to me like they had been. You know, watching cinema scenes or something like well, listening yeah, to the internet, going, "How old was this kid when he got cursed?" And there does seem to be quite a strong Emma Watsony influence on it too. I think some of the the more progressive lines and changes were actually hers. Yeah, um, which makes a lot of sense because yes, 
even though her singing's not great, although I found it perfectly passable, it wasn't like great. It's not passable it because fine. she doesn't sing it. This is what gets to me is that her singing, it's it's so auto-tuned that it's just not One day I'm a going person to finish anymore. This sentence. <gasps> but um anyway, I found her, her singing was fine, but she otherwise is a good casting choice, right? For this character, who else of her age could play this play this role, would play this role as well, would be as right for this part? And this is the problem. I can't think of anybody else who's the right age who can sing but who would be right for the part. There's no reason why she has to be exactly that age. But also, like, I'm, I'm sure that there are plenty of young actresses who can sing who could do that part. Like, I'm Who could sh- carry the movie, though? Because, like, the woman who played Belle in the first movie has literally never done anything else. She's just In not- 1991? Yeah. Paige O'Hara's done other things, but she hasn't done a lot of other movies. Yeah, she, well, maybe she's I'm pretty done- sure she was a Broadway star. Right, which is fine when you're talking – well, actually, it's not even fine these days, but it would have been fine in 1991 to have an unknown voice this lead. But, but nowadays – they were all unknowns in 1991. It's not – it, Except for Angela Lansbury, who yeah. was... It, it just wouldn't... Like, who who else would you cast? That's the problem. Like, you can't just cast somebody from Broadway. It, no matter... Like, it had it just wouldn't work. But I, I, I understand these things, right? But I'm so sick of it. I'm so sick of having to go to movies and listen to people who aren't good singers be cast in musicals. They need to, like, put the effort in, in, into finding better people because it's happened to me in La La Land and it's happened now in Beauty and the Beast and it's incredibly frustrating it's incredibly frustrating to sit and watch this movie and want to get into it and be hearing this robot voice through the whole thing. Like, it really ruins the movie for me. I know it doesn't movie- ruin the movie for you, but it really ruins the movie for me because it mm. completely takes me out of it every time it happens. Mm. It totally ruins the magic for me if the person can't sing at all. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because Beauty and the Beast is one of the early m- animated movies where they started using celebrities to do the voices instead of just using voice actors. In that, that in the really same era as Aladdin and it and um, uh, not Little Mermaid but like Lion King, that they're all from kind of the same era and they were sort of early adopters of the celebrity voice includer. And now it's almost like once they've got to the live action version, everyone's got to be a celebrity. Well, who's that's a voice. interesting to me because Dan Stevens really isn't. No, that's true. He, but so they he's decided, behind a mask most of the time. I know, but they decided to go with somebody who wasn't wrecking, who like is, by the way, I think really talented. Um, but he, yes, he does seem very good. Um, but he like he's not somebody who's well known, and they decided to cast him as the beast. So like it, it, they, they clearly will be uh, happy to bend their rules for men. Well, yes, they and they are because then I mean, look at you know. Disney's also hired Chris Hemsworth to hold down the Thor movies when he was basically a nobody. Well, Marvel t- took more um, chances on everybody though. Chris Evans was like a ca- like did stuff, but not, wasn't mm. a huge star when he was cast as Captain America. Um, Robert Downey Jr. was only just on the comeback from um, yeah, exactly. Like his career but, was. Um, but for it's it's like it is a double standard though. Because yeah. when they hired Captain Marvel, they hired Brie Larson, who had yeah. just come off winning an Oscar. So. Um, yeah, it is. It's a double standard. They Disney wouldn't take a risk. Although Cinderella was a nobody. Lily, Lily Collins. James. Lily James. See, I couldn't not even I get those two mixed up. I too. couldn't even tell you which Lily it was. Do you know the only reason I remember is because she has both of Harry Potter's parents' names. Of course, yeah. Um yeah, but Lily James, she's a nobody. Yeah, like, and I was, literally it, can't even I couldn't actually picture what she looks like because in my head I'm picturing Lily Collins, who's the one I've actually heard of. Uh, and even then I don't actually know what she does other than 
be Lily Collins, who goes on red carpets, like literally. No, she's been in movies. She was um, in Mirror Mirror. She was in. Oh, there um, you go. She's already done a, a, a fairy tale one. She's been in quite a few movies. Um, um but, Lily Collins, but Lily James, yeah, she's and Lily Collins is American. Lily James is British, I think. Right. Um. Um. But yeah, and li- that isn't one Lily had Lily Collins, Phil Collins' kid. Yeah, and he's British. Oh, so maybe she's British. Um. The, the, I was going to talk about the Cinderella one because I've yeah. seen it and I don't think you have. Nope. Right. So that one was worse, but Cinderella is a more boring story. Um, True, yeah. It had um, – Lily James was cute but not, like, terrific. Um, it had um, – Kate Blanchett was the stepmother. Yeah. And it had the, one of the guys from Game of Thrones as the prince. Mm, um, yes. Yeah, the one who's dating the Doctor Who companion. Anyway – Curly haired guy. <laughs> yeah, the the one that was um he was killed he, he off he killed it during the red wedding. Yeah. Um that one. Yeah. Uh we've seen him as well in that Idris Elba movie. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it was like Kate Blanchett sort of was killing it, but which like is why yeah, which is why they've gone for Emma Watson here, because she's got the actual screen presence to carry the film and she's basically on her own for most scenes. I mean, she would have had a lot of scenes with Dan Stevens, but he is under he w- he was I believe he was under prosthetics on set and then they punched him up in CGI afterwards. So he looks – a lot of the time that looks really fake to me. Yeah. It, so to me it looked like she was on her own for a lot of scenes. So she, so there are – and I think different to Cinderella, there are lots of scenes where it is just her acting to some tennis balls. Yeah, Cinderella had a lot of people but also it had different. some CG like mice and cats that didn't work. And this is the other thing I wanted to bring up was um, – the um a lot of things that work well in cartoons don't translate well into live action. We're talking about this with LeFou. Yeah. Right. Um yeah. So LeFou is like a kind of like a cartoon, like basically a pet to Gaston, mm. right? In the in the move in the um animated, animated movie, one. the yeah. the cartoon, he's basically a pet to like he's not really a person. Mm. But in this one they try really hard to make LeFou sympathetic because they realize you're not going to be able to do this kind of like puppy routine that mm. they do in the in the animated one so they make him gay and in love with Gaston mm. um which is not the best uh thing for the first gay representation in Disney to be um but at least he gets a cute boyfriend at the end mm. um there is actually a pretty cute moment where like the wardrobe dresses these three guys up in the fight. <gasps> yes. And um, instead of – like two of them run away in horror and then the third one's like found himself. He's so thrilled to mm. be in drag, which is about the cutest thing yeah, I've ever seen. Yeah, and just his smile. It was gorgeous. Just that was gorgeous. Um, I liked that bit. Um, But like as a gag, I like the idea that there's one guy who's like embracing his femininity and stuff. Mm. And But I mean also it almost kind of – they had to find a way to make – um, the big musical number Gaston work, and it's got to, and for it to work, it's got to, it's you've got to have LeFou be so submissive. Like, how else are you going to make him so submissive? But you can, in love with. Is it, but you can do that still. There are lots of people who are like, like weirdly obsessed with people without yeah, being in love with them. Look, if you're not looking for it, that gay reference will pass you over. But I think the thing with LeFou is that. Like they, the decision to make him sympathetic is the problem, right? Right, and to make him sympathetic, they kind of made him gay, mm. right? That's kind of where they went with that. You could have him be totally sniveling and awful, mm. right, and have him not be sympathetic. He just like a Peter Pettigrew type character where he yeah, just yeah. wants to ride Gaston's coattails. He just likes the power that it gives him. Mm. So that's a perfectly valid way of doing it, and and that would make him really sniveling and submissive and stuff, right? Mm. 
So that would and, – and also if Gaston's taking out his anger on LeFou, he's going to try and pump him up a lot. Yep. So you could still have that work. I think that just the way that they went about it by deciding to make LeFou a sympathetic character – and don't get me wrong, Josh Gad plays the hell out of it. Yeah, he's a very he good LeFou. But, like, it just kind of – the decision to make him sympathetic, like, is – it makes that really uncomfortable a lot of the time, mm. um, which is where I think that kind of falls down. Um, mm. And the other thing is I just don't think that the talking furniture thing works as well in a live-action movie because you're really aware of things like she's sitting on a person, she's drinking out of a child's head, like things like that suddenly become really – also the magic of it is confusing because that feather duster can fly. Why can that feather duster fly? I, Why weirdly, does that I was magic work? I bothered by her drinking out of a child's head. That bothered me. I just yeah. saw that because – also because it's kids, but I just suddenly – it sort of clicks that you're like that's a real kid. Yeah. That's a person that she's drinking out of his head. And like Mrs. Potts doing all the stuff that she does, like boiling water inside her. And I'm like, doesn't that hurt? And things like that, where it's just. And more... these are not things that I thought of at all. Not even I think a it's little. just, I was more conscious of it because it's live action and because you see them as real people as well. Like, right. it's, it just became. And, and, but Be Our Guest is still really like dazzling, although mm-hmm. confusing. <laughs> yeah. But dazzling. And, Dune McGregor sang that really well. Yeah, and um, Gaston was amazing too. Really yeah, I well liked done. that musical. Um, Actually, most of the musical numbers, the the opening one, um, Belle, it's yeah. called Belle, but the little town number did yeah, not work very well. And part of that is because she sings quite a bit and she sings also then the, the I want adventure in the great wide somewhere, that bit was yeah. awful. And you sort of hear the same lines over and over again. It's a bit, It's boring. Yeah, it's got a lot more energy and a lot more um, like – um, life to it in the cartoon. Yeah. Right? It, does. it just works it, it a lot gets, better. It's over and done with a lot quicker too. We don't have like 17 reprises of it. Um, yeah. And I think, um, like I said, Emma Thompson I think does a good job on Beauty and the Beast. That's a big song to carry for someone whose main job isn't a singer. She doesn't sing Beauty and the Beast. She does when they're doing the dancing. Emma Thompson sings Beauty and the Beast. Emma Thompson is what I said. But you said Emma Watson. No, Emma Thompson. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, she carries Beauty. No, she does great. Yeah, she carries Beauty in the Beast, and she does it quite well. Uh, I did see someone online saying, "Why didn't they swap around the casting of Mrs. Potts and Garderobe? Because then you would have had yep. Audrey McDonald do Beauty and the Beast." I, I, I suspect the reason they didn't do it is because the optics of having the only black cast member playing the maid would probably not look so good. But I think it's I don't also- know why they didn't put the good singer on that either. But she, I mean, she does fine. She's fine but also why hide your one singer off in a role that has the least singing i think that part of that though is that it, beauty and the beast that song has always been it's not like, meant it's, to be a big right right yeah. it's more character based than a bit like they, yeah. they always give you a cover of that because it's more of a character thing than a like a um a showy yeah, yeah. musical number right? right as long as you get somebody who can sing i don't see a problem with that and Emma Thompson is fine. Yes. She's as good as Angela Lansbury. Yes, yes. Right? She, they're both fine at that. It's very character-driven. It's very much about Mrs. Potts singing that to everybody. That's not so much an issue for me, especially since Audra does get to do a few lines of it at the end of the movie, yeah. um, which made the movie worthwhile for me, honestly, just hearing Audra McDonald sing a few bars of that. But also, I think, because they were going for a very specific role for the wardrobe in this, which is like she was the – um, performer and then she's got this boy yes. this husband and they're separated although why they're separated is beyond me because she can just walk downstairs we see it at the end of the movie so why are they separated mm. that was silly and her husband is Stanley Tucci too um, yeah it's weird like neither of them can manage stairs until 
I, I don't know. That big fight went on way too long too and was t- too many visual gags mm. um, while something dramatic was happening. One of the additions that I really, really did like was giving the Beast a big song when Belle was leaving. Yes. Worked so well. It's very dramatic. It's carried well. And he gets to really explore. You get to see the whole castle because he goes up mm. on the castle. It looks really good. Yeah. Um, that works well on a visual level. That works well on a storytelling level. And it's a good song. Yeah, I agree. Um, and they also they give him a couple more character tweaks that, yes, make him more sympathetic but also make more sense. Like he had a very expensive education and therefore that's why he has the giant library. Makes yeah. a lot more sense than – I can't read, but here, hang out in my library. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that does make sense. Like those little things, like little tweaks to it, like that I didn't mind and that one song I didn't mind. But there's another song that they add about Days of Summer or something mm. that I thought was silly, Days in the Sun. Yeah. Didn't really, that was not necessary to me. Um, there were, and it made it long. Yeah. It was long. But, yeah. I mean, there were a lot of things I liked. I liked the costumes a lot. It was really eye-catching and bright and pretty. Mm-hmm. Yes. I thought that everybody looked good. I thought um, Kevin Klein as Maurice was quite good. Oh, yeah. I really liked Ke- – he was so sweet. And mm. the relationship between um, Maurice and Belle felt very real in this. Yeah. It felt like they – I don't know if it's true, but it felt like the actors liked each other and respected each other. It felt like a, mm. a relationship that was based on mutual love and respect and it was very sweet. That yeah. worked great. Mm-hmm. I quite liked that. Um, yeah. There's other things, though, I feel like in – Making in trying to make Belle this inventor and all that sort of stuff, they kind of de-romanticized her a little bit, and that didn't really work for the character because I think she was quite a romantic, like in the, not in the like love sense, but in the like the romantics poetry, like I love you know capital R, capital romantic. R romantic adventure and nature and beauty and yeah. stuff. Like she once she asks for the rose in this movie, it doesn't feel the same. Mm. Um, because she's this inventor and she's so down to earth and she's so practical. Why is she asking for a rose? Yeah. Right? Like it just kind of – it takes a, it actually takes a little bit away from the character to do that, I think. Mm. Or it makes it a bit more confusing, I well, guess. Well, I found it quite confusing because she's – like dad's a watchmaker and she's like she's also doing all this reading and running around but then also she's got – these cute little life hacks that she's invented. Right. But also Maurice is in, in the original a crackpot already. Yeah. But in this one it doesn't seem Not like at he's all. right. So that was silly because everybody was already against Maurice. When she goes away it makes a lot more sense for the town to turn on him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, things like that just – they made changes that I didn't feel were entirely necessary. A couple of them worked but a lot of them mm-hmm. kind of were just like – if you're going to remake almost the whole thing shot for shot, why are you making these particular changes? Yeah. But again, like it, I did enjoy it. It was, I did think it was fine for what it was. Like it was much better than Cinderella as one of the live action remakes. And, uh, yeah, I thought Emma Watson was fine as long as she wasn't singing. It just really disappointed. It just, it's hard for me to watch it when it's mm. bad singing. Yeah. And I do, I think the, the live action stuff, it just sort of smacks of just wanting to make more money because this has made so much money. So much um, money. C- Cinderella didn't quite so much. And what was the other live action one they've done? Maleficent. Maleficent didn't, but it was my favourite film of the year. It came out. But they, it just sort of smacks But of Maleficent's like, totally different. Yeah, it's, it's very not, not in like this vein at all. But th- this, uh, there, it just, it does very much smack of like, there's a whole generation of people who saw this who've now got kids of their own, right? Mm. A lot of people our age who would be taking their own kids along to this who haven't seen the original, who don't have that attachment to the original. And so Disney's like, well, let's make this one theirs. And then, mm. you know, 25 years from now, they'll do exactly the same thing again. They'll make another version that'll kind of suck in, you know, our grandchildren. 
So, like, what kind of version are they going to do next? 3D animated? I don't know. <laughs> like, don't is that going to be the next renaissance? But, but it is. it does sort of smack of that. It sort of also feels a bit like Disney's moved all of its superheroes from being animated to being live action through Marvel, for example. And so they're like, well, that's for the boys. Let's get the girl demographic with all the fairy tales, which is, I know, it's Kill stupid. Me. I know, I know, it's stupid, but that's how Disney thinks. They think we've got the princesses for the girls and Marvel for the boys and Star Wars for both, I guess. Well, Star Wars is for the boys. Give me a break. <laughs> um, it is. I mean, they, yeah, they gender things so much. And they, they um, really At do. least Star Wars, they're and trying so, to have more diversity. So though. Disney's leaning and into princesses like as their, their girl property. Because they know there's money there. They know there's money in that diversity. But they they think that um, the only way to get at it is through traditionally feminine means. Um, yeah. And and I do like that there were non-white people in this particular and they version. Made, they, yeah. Not only one in the main cast, but they made the effort. Two, kind of. They m- made the effort to um, put the make the background characters mm. multiracial. Well, because you've got Audra McDonald and Gugu Mbatha all oh, plays. Oh, um, sorry. I forgot about her. She's in a very small role. Yeah, but um, – if I mean, if you're talking about non-background extras, she does. Yeah, the no, voice sorry. Of yeah, the... Gugu Mbatha-Raw is in the main cast. Yes, yeah. you are right. Um, and she has a whole storyline with her, and and actually, there's two interracial relationships in the main cast with her and Neil McGregor, mm. and with um, Audra McDonald and Stanley Tucci, mm-hmm. um, both with the black woman. Actually, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, that was nice. Yeah, that I, was. I they were like, making an effort. There's a real feeling like when they all turn human at the end, it feels so much more. It feels so much bigger. And they're not just like silly cartoon versions of the mm. of the objects this time because they have to be real people. Yeah. So it really feels a lot bigger and a lot more a lot more effective. Mm. Um, where you're like, oh my god, he actually yeah. they actually saved them. The all. only one turning back into their regular form that's weird, which is also weird in the animated version, is the Beast because the Beast is like you you because you his magical girl transformation moment. <laughs> yeah, but you fall for him as the Beast, and then he turn he's like this sort of bland and boring fair-haired guy i don't know why they kept his hair long yeah it wasn't long when he when the oh he wore the wig in the flash no it probably would have been they seem to be setting it in like 1750s era france kind why of thing. wasn't he wearing the wig when he turned back then all the others were i don't know i think maybe they thought it would be too weird for the audience i mean it's always weird for the audience to yeah. see him turn back and the thing is you do fall in love with the beast but i i do yeah. actually like dan stevens there are i was going to say there are little moments as well because you do in I, the, I like dan stevens too but he's less i don't know these days he's like skinnier and less kind of handsome than he was when he was matthew crawley but uh, yeah no he it, it's not him that's the problem at all with i the t- don't turn back i mean i his yeah, it, I think it's more like he's charming than he's handsome, yeah. right? Like that's that's really more what they're going for. Yeah. But um, he um, has these little moments as the beast, which is the same actually. I think in the animated that where there's these little moments that charm you, mm. but the he he does those really well. The little charming moments work so well when he's doing them. Oh, it's well, just the one I so, talked like, about convincing. Talking about his, I had a very expensive education. I think Dan Stevens had a very expensive education, so yes. it makes a lot of sense. Um, that, but that line just works perfectly. Yeah, but other little things when they're on the bridge and he says that cheesy line. It's like I'm seeing it for the first time, but it's mm. actually kind of cute. But also like when they're eating dinner together and he picks up the little plate. Um, which is in both versions, yeah. but he does he does those little things well. And when he do- tries the smile, it's funny and things like that. Like it's still like he does all of those moments really well. Yeah. Um, and you can see why they cast him. Yes. And the voice, God, mm-hmm. such mm-hmm. a good voice. Yes. Um, you can definitely I can see why they cast him. But also, um, I've been a fan of Dan Stevens since I saw The Guest. I think a couple of years oh, yeah. ago. I've I've I don't know I've not seen the movie, but I've seen the picture of his abs from that movie. 
that's not why. <laughs> like genuinely, the guests, like if you talk to anybody, I've, I've been doing this a bit lately because of this movie coming out mm. and I'll talk to people. We talk to, I talked to um, Simon, who we do the radio show mm. with, and he'd seen it and a couple of other people. And no matter who you talk to, if they've seen the guests, you go, everybody will go, Dan Stevens is so good oh, in that yeah. movie. It is like a star performance. And it's such a small movie that a lot of people haven't seen it. Yeah. But God, it's such a good performance. Go. He's so, he's like, he's the villain in it. He's so charming mm. and he's so disturbing and it's genius. Absolute genius. So anybody who wants to see a really good thriller with a really incredible performance from Dan Stevens that turns everybody into fans of Dan Stevens, go see the guest because he's so good in it. Mm. Um, so we have pro- probably getting close to time on this one. So I'm thinking, unless you want to say anything more, we should probably give ratings. There was something else I wanted to say, but I can't remember what it was. I, I feel like we've there's so many versions. Luke Evans, but well, well, okay. But there's um, I was just going to say there's so many versions of Beauty and the Beast in this one too. You get it, and then you get a reprise, and then you get it over the credits. Yeah, um, which cracked me up. But anyway, and no, Luke Evans, God, like just. Flawless. I can't believe that Magella didn't like him, but that's not the point. Um, he was a flawless cast of Gaston. Mm. Like, oh, he perfect. can't sing great, but there's almost something that like works about him not singing well, but singing with a lot of bravado. Yeah, that works for Gaston. Well, he, I, I think he sings fine. And he's fine. Like he's Welsh, so he's kind of got that choir background. But he um, have you ever been to a football game with Welsh people and? They all they can all sing. Yeah. Um. So he can sing, but the the actor casting match was just perfect. Oh, because especially God, I mean after flawless. we saw him in um, High Rise last year, but that kind of he, he seems to be getting cast in these sort of roles that require someone Girl on the train the the, the toxic masculinity type mm. um aspect of like he's really good at playing up that um that sort of Ruffian. toxic damaged man type yeah violent man type stuff. And so it was, it was just perfect casting for that. He's so good. Like he's so, everything that he, every moment that he's on, st- on screen, even when it's not a perfect Gaston moment, mm. he's so perfectly Gaston in it. Yeah. Um, that bit where he's talking to himself in the mirror. <laughs> oh my God. Really funny. Um, and he's that, that's, like, I don't think that's entirely in the, it's in the original sort of, but it's kind of beefed no, yeah. up for this one. Yeah. So funny. Um, and he's so like big and, and mm. stuff in the original and this one he's a bit smaller yeah like yeah. Luke Evans is a bit more compact but he does all of the mm. things so well like he just he carries it so well mm-hmm. um but uh, no I I do I'm not saying that Luke Evans is a bad singer he's just an average singer right right but yeah. like you can it, it works for him to be an average singer but who thinks he's better than that you know mm. it works it works in the same way that he thinks he's so great with the ladies or he thinks yeah. he's so like good at you know all the things that he does but he really isn't mm-hmm. um it, it's it's funny i like the um i actually liked the way they gave him the backstory as well of being like a war hero yeah. who's now past his glory days because that makes a lot of sense for the character and like think of the war and it calms him down <laughs> to yes. think about the war, like the opposite of um post traumatic stress yeah um like but he was like he's and he's he can switch from like being sort of funny, charming to being threatening so easily as mm. well. The only thing in Gaston that I didn't like, by the way, is the end that Josh Gad, instead of doing the gas, the LeFou line in the original, the animated movie where it implies that he can't spell. Yep. Where he says the G-A-S, G-A-S-T, and yeah. he can't remember. But like in this one, it, he literally says, oh, I don't know how to spell. And I was like, you don't need to tell us that. No. We figured that out in the original one. That's a bit silly. It's, that, it's funnier if you, yeah. It is. I think yeah. it's funnier if you, if you realize he can't spell halfway through just like he does. Yeah. Um, that's funnier to me, but that's a fairly minor quibble. Um, yeah. my other problems with it were bigger. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what are you going to give it? 
Um, I'm torn between tw- two and a half and three stars. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you're going to go high, so I'll go two and a half because, like, it just doesn't add – like, I do like a lot of the cast, but it doesn't add anything to it and I'm just not rewarding people for casting non-singers in lead <laughs> – in musicals anymore, it drives me crazy. Yeah, I'm wavering. I mean, I, I think it probably deserves three and a half, like objectively, and especially now that I've had a week to think on it. Mm. But I had so much fun. I had like four stars worth of fun watching it. Um, But I think, yeah, I think I probably have to settle on, on three and a half for it. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to uh, find the show notes or – Old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter, uh, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.